I'm going to be honest this morning. I have no idea what I'm doing up here. <laughs> Not a clue. I know we're here to encounter Jesus and transform cities with his power and love. That's our vision statement. If you're a guest, if this is your first time, you might be like, how is the pastor just now getting up to speak? It's 11.30. Welcome to Convergence. (laughs) Worship's the main thing. It's the main event here as we worship Jesus. If I get to speak, man, I am thankful and happy that I get to preach. But it's not about preaching. It's about Jesus. It's about his presence. It's about his leadership. It's about his lordship. It's about his kingship. How many were here on Friday night? Raise your hand high. Oh, come on. That's amazing. Wow. That's almost everybody in the room. What did you guys think of Friday night? Yeah? All right, let me ask another question, okay? What if we did it again? Maybe. Yes? 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 All in. Come on, who's all in? Who's all in for this thing? I was, uh, was praying leading up to Friday night, and obviously William Hen and I, we've, we've been kind of communicating back and forth, and it was a really busy week last week. Like, so much going on, so many details. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, when you come in, it looks like we have it all figured out. We had no idea what we were doing. Not a clue. We're like, do you want to take that part of the service? Do you want to take that part of the service? And we're, you know, <laughs> it's just like this swirl, and we just get in. And I, 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 was, I was spending time with the Lord that morning. And I was sitting in my office, and all of a sudden, I just began to cry about what the Lord was going to do on Friday. Because as a pastor, my heart burns for gatherings where we just lift him up. That's all we do. Like, it's just his presence. We need the fear of the Lord back in church. We need the fear of God to be in our meetings. And so we were praying, and we let Friday happen, and I I wanted to just let it happen and just see what happens. Because that's the best part. Just leave it organic, right? And just see what happens, right? Because the goal isn't to strive the goal is not to do something to do it. And again, I said this on Friday night, if you were here, we had zero desire to just have a worship night. I love worship nights. I'm not knocking it. But one night's not enough. One night is not enough. One church youth camp moment is not enough. We need to be living in and encountering the presence of Jesus every night of the week. Come on, if you come in on Sunday and this is your one day, I want to provoke your heart this morning. There is no secular and sacred divide. And if that is still a reality, you've got to break the box. Get it off. Well, what happens? What are people going to think at work? Who cares? What if the fear of God hit a people that said, I don't really care anymore. All I care about is that this person 
encounters the presence of Jesus. And so I was praying and we were, I was getting all of these comments. Those of you that commented, thank you. Text messages. I mean, I'm getting text messages from people in this body that are like, I'm all in. I'm getting Facebook comments like, whatever you want to do, Andrew, I'm all in. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of authority there. (laughs) Message after message after message after message after message, which tells me something. We're hungry. May we stay hungry. And so I was praying on Saturday, and I was messaging with my team, and honestly, I spent a lot of the day on the phone (laughs) talking with our worship pastor Justin Collins and talking with my dad and texting our elders and our entire staff team and we were just praying into what is our response because again I made something clear on Friday night if you were here and that is that we're not just doing a meeting we're responding we have to respond to what the Lord's doing it's not just a Friday night gathering He's pouring out new wine. I don't want the old wine. I don't want to walk into this building and us do things just to do them or do things the same way we did them last week. What if the Lord says, do something different this week? What would you do if he broke the paradigm of what we think church is? What would happen? What would happen? I don't know, but I want to find out. So here's what we're going to do, okay? This is a surprise announcement I'm making right now. Are you ready for it? I want every person in this room, if you can make it, I want you to come here this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Wednesday night. Wait, hold on, Andrew. That's not a Sunday? What? Wednesday night? Youth group is going to be meeting in here with us. Listen, we're going to be obedient. I told our team, I said, we're not, going to, we're not doing this because Risen Nation's doing it. I have no desire just to do something because another church is doing it. That's why I wanted to see what would happen Friday. And then I just saw all of the messages and the hunger that the Lord is releasing. Listen, we're gathering on Wednesday and we're going after him. No plans, no agenda. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I can tell you one thing. Can I tell you one thing? God will be here. Why? Because I am a resting place of the Lord. Come on, it was David's biggest cry in Psalm 132. He said, I will not sleep and I will not slumber until I find a resting place for the Lord. Psalms 26 said, oh, how we love the habitation of his house, the place where his glory dwells. Where does his glory dwell? Within you. What happens when people at Convergence Church that are like, we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know Wednesday night, sure, whatever, and we gather and there's a corporate resting place because we come and we just say, Jesus, we are desperate for more. Will you, will you come? Come on.
the Lord is doing something in this house. Well beyond anything that we could ask, think, or imagine. And I just want us to enter into that. Can we do that? So this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, the only thing that I know that we're going to do is for sure worship. We are going to worship, and then from there we're going to find out what happens. And I'm really excited about that. Come on, are we hungry? I'm so hungry for more. If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus 19. If you were here on Friday night, I apologize. This is going to be a little bit of what I shared on Friday night. But I feel this is really important for us. We've been talking about an overcoming church. It's the letters, right? To the one who overcomes. Revelations 2 and 3, there's the letters that John got these letters for seven churches. And in the end of the letter, what does it say? Oh, I don't know. Is it, have we been paying attention? To him who overcomes. Come on. Thank you, Michael. I was like, man, have we been here? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to him who what? Overcomes. And then we've really been kind of birthing the series out of Revelation 12, 11, which says what? Who knows? Wesley. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But what's the last portion? And we love not our lives even unto death. You can't quote that verse without the and even unto death. Can I be real with you guys this morning? I, this week was really raw for me because there were two people that I saw pass away. One was Benny Johnson, which I just honor the Johnson legacy and what the Lord just is doing and, and, and has done through them. Just so thankful. And also just grieved at the fact that she passed. The same thing is true for another person that actually used to go to this church who also passed. And I saw this on my Facebook feed and I was like, Lord, what, what is going on? Why, why? And I don't know why. But as I was sitting in my office, the Lord, that passage in James 4.14 just kept passing through my mind. Life is but a vapor. Life is but a vapor. And the Lord was really convicting me of like, am I living in the moment? As an, an, an overcoming church doesn't wait for something to happen tomorrow. An overcoming church lives present in the moment because life is but a vapor. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know what's going to happen Wednesday night. That's why we're not saying, hey, we're going to do every Wednesday night. I don't know. But I'm going to live this moment right now to the fullest. I'm going to do the best that I can. And I'm going to present a Jesus. And I'm going to encounter him. And I'm going to step in. Because life is but a vapor. And that reality really hit me this week. Like, wow. We have to treasure every moment. We have to be present. I want to encourage you this morning. Be present in the moment. Exodus 19, 
verse 16. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain. And a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Verse 17, and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Now Mount Sinai, verse 18, was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Listen, the whole mountain quaked violently. Do we have this view of God this morning? I'm going to be honest, I had to ask myself the same question. Do I have this understanding of the magnitude of my God? Oh, picture this moment, the Israelites, I mean, you can imagine they're kind of, you know, they're just doing their own business, you know, maybe they're eating dinner, you know, whatever, they're kind of just, and Moses is like, all right, guys, come on, where are we going, Moses? We're going to the mountain. It's like, whatever, you know, let's go to the mountain. All of a sudden, God descends upon a mountain in smoke and fire. There's a trumpet sound, there's lightning, and there's thunder. And if you're the Israelites, you're standing there going, I don't care what religion says, this is God. There's no ounce of religion possible when you see the magnitude and the reverence and the awe of who God is. The God that descended on Mount Sinai in fire. Do we have this view of God? I love, listen, God God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? His character, his nature is the same. And I'm so thankful for all of the teaching that we have. And it's all, you know, God is love and God is peace. I love all of it. And we need all of it. But I'm going to say something really bold this morning. I think as a church, we've lost the God on Mount Sinai in some ways. Can I be bold? I can because I'm the pastor. I think when I was reading Exodus 19... The Lord pounded my heart and said, is it possible that my church has lost the trembling? I love all of these passages that we read. And again, you have to take all of Scripture. You have to have all of Scripture, right? We don't believe in half of this book. We don't believe in a fourth of this book. We believe in the entire book. And we come under the leadership and the lordship of Jesus through the word of God. This is his living and active word, as Chuck said. What does that mean, though? It means that the God that you read in 1 Corinthians 13 about love is the same God that descended in smoke, fire, thunder, lightning, and the cloud covered a mountain. It's not a different God. Can he be both at the same time? Yes. 
And I told this to, to the crew Friday night. I said, I don't want to have meetings where I don't tremble. I don't want to have a good worship service. I want to tremble. I want to tremble. What is that trembling? It's the fear of God. There's a return happening, I believe, right now in the body of Christ where the Lord is returning. He's, there's a return to the holiness in the fear of the Lord. It's not an accident that Solomon, 19 times in the book of Proverbs alone, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. What is it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Proverbs 14, 26 says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. I could go on and on and on. He says, in the fear of the Lord, there is life. Like, you, you don't have life apart from the fear of God. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Hating evil, pride, arrogance, the evil mouth, and the perverted mouth. The fear of the Lord is hating every aspect of evil. And I felt, as I read this Exodus 19 passage, I felt the Lord provoke my heart and say, it's time to provoke the body to the fear of the Lord. Like, I want to live with this reality. God is way bigger than we even think he is this morning. Like, I think we come in with, a, with this view of God, and every time we gather, every time we get in his presence, every time you open your Bible, every time you hear someone talk about him, your view of God should be expanding because you realize he's way bigger than anything you've ever seen. He's way bigger than you could ask. He's way bigger than you could think. He's way bigger than you could ever imagine. And so sometimes we relegate God to a Sunday service or this one hour time during the week, and God's like, you need to see me for who I am. I'm the God of Mount Sinai. I'm the God that wants to meet you on the mountain. In this passage, Moses had a choice to make. Can you imagine this moment? Like there's a cloud covering a mountain. You just heard thunder. There's fire. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I would have gone up the mountain. <laughs> I want you to hear the difference. The spirit of fear says don't go up the mountain. The fear of the Lord says the only way is up the mountain. Wasn't even planning on saying that. There's a big misunderstanding between the fear of the Lord and the, and the spirit of fear that it says to cast out with perfect love. Yes? So Moses had a choice to make. 
spirit of fear, which if you read later on, the Israelites didn't want to go up the mountain. They're like, Moses, I don't know what, I don't know what you're doing, but we don't, we don't want to do that. But Moses went up the mountain to meet God. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Moses is coming up the mountain to meet God. Spirit of fear is not in any of his thoughts because he fears God to the point where he goes, I will do whatever it takes to get on that mountain. So my provoke, I want to provoke you this morning. As Convergence Church, will we do whatever it takes to go up the mountain? I'm talking about an expectation in your heart. I'm talking about us coming to say we desire to be like Moses and operate out of the fear of God. Because there's only two choices, in or out. And I just believe that he's calling a, he's calling a people to be in. What happens? What does the fear of the Lord look like? His fear is what provokes us to holiness. His fear is what establishes us and sustains us. His fear sets us apart. Listen, oh no, I don't have enough time for this. If your life looks like the world, something's missing. It's something is missing. Because this God of Mount Sinai, I can tell you right now, is not going to look anything like the world. He's not going to agree with the decisions the world makes. He's not going to do things the same way culture does. He's the God that says, consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. Just a few verses prior in Exodus 19 right here, it says, so Moses went down from the mountain, this is verse 14, to the people, and he consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. What's the point? Wash off everything that you need to wash off from the world. Set yourself apart and come to the mountain. Jesus didn't entertain the world. He provoked it. Jesus didn't entertain it. He provoked it in the fear of the Lord. John 17, Jesus said, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Any version of Jesus that the world creates that allows you to live however you want is heresy. If you can do whatever you want, it's not the real Jesus. It's not the real gospel. Because the gospel says deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Discipleship is costly. Luke 14, Jesus says, count the cost. What's the cost? My entire being. Is this okay this morning? I'm just throwing things out. I'm throwing fireballs out this morning. We'll see what happens. Luke 14, 26. Jesus says this. If anyone comes to me 
and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, how many times do you hear that verse quoted in church? Probably not many. That's a fun one. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You guys are like, is he crazy? Listen. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? What is Jesus saying here? He's not saying you need to literally hate your family. Do you know what that word hate means in the Greek? Listen to this. This is, this is powerful. It's the Greek word meseo, and it means to regard with less affection. To love less. Why is that important? Because there can only be one true love. Oh, Let's read it again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, let's change the wording. If anyone comes to me and does not regard with less affection his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What's the point? It's not an even playing field. Jesus has to be first. If Jesus is not first, something else is occupying a place that it does not need to be occupying. That's the reason why Jesus then tells them to calculate the cost. Why? Because it's really important that you come completely bought in. That you come out of that place of I regard everything else with less love because I am so enthralled with Jesus. Everything in my life seeks to continue to be driven by his love, for his presence, who he is. I only know how to love my wife because of Jesus. I only know how to love my family because of Jesus. I only know how to love my brother because of Jesus. So the love has to flow that way, but I have to calculate the cost. R.J. Karras says this, discipleship is not periodic volunteer work on one's own terms and at one's convenience. I don't do discipleship when I want to. I do discipleship because I'm captivated by him. I only know how to lead as I know how to follow. That's the reason why we're doing a Wednesday night gathering. I was laying in bed last night and I was telling Emily, I was like, I don't, am I crazy? What are we doing? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, is this too much? And she's like, no, the staff is all in. Let's, let's do it. And I'm like, let's do it then. Let's do it. Like, I needed that fresh encouragement because there's, there's this reality of like, what are we doing? And then it's like, no, I'm following. Can we just follow? Can we just get under the wave? Can we get under the wind? Can we go to the mountain and see what happens? 
Can we come and say, the God of Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning, what if he meets us in this place on Wednesday night? What if we come and we're like, the building's on fire. I walked, I walked into this room on Thursday and the power cut out. Last Thursday, the whole power to the entire church cut out. And Seth and Wesley and Briley are up here singing their hearts out with no, no instruments. Seth had a guitar, keyboards out, sound systems out. All you can hear is worship in an empty building with rain coming down. Because they do not care if there's a sound system, if there's lights, if there's PowerPoint, if there's live streaming, what they care about is that God's in the room, the power's gone, it's raining, all I want to do is worship. All I want to do is lift him up. All I want to do is engage his heart. All I want to do is stay in that moment and do whatever I can to engage his heart to go up the mountain. Why? Because God's there. I want to go up the mountain, and I'm going to be honest, I feel like I need, I've needed to repent for ways that I have not seen the God of Mount Sinai, the God who's so big that my life, like, it just fits, it fits. He's like, I can change that. I can do something with that. I can use you. Like, what if we blasted our paradigm of what we think God is? What if God's way bigger than you think this morning? He is. I know we know that. But what if he wants to reveal it to you in a fresh way? It's the fear of the Lord. Mm. The fear of the Lord restores identity. You don't live in the fear of the Lord and not stand out. The fear of the Lord will cause you to stand out. Like when you read the Bible, oh, it should provoke you. The book of Daniel provokes me. It provokes me. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel's given the opportunity to eat at the king's table. All this food, like you can imagine, this is probably the nicest meal Daniel's ever seen. And Daniel's like, I don't want any part of it. Because I will not serve, eat, or worship something that's not God. So what does he say? He literally says, I'm going to eat and do my own thing. And of course, we know what happens. He says, well, they're like, well, then you're not going to look as good as the other ones. And Daniel said, watch what happens. What happens? He looked better. Why? Because he was obedient to the Lord. He operated in the fear of God, was unwilling to eat from a table of the world, and was more willing to say, I want the fear of the Lord. What happened? He looked better than the world without having to indulge in what the world offers because the fear of God looks better than the world. Oh, I'm sorry. I am passionate this morning. If what you believe leads you to not have to give up anything, change be transformed, live in righteousness, or be holy even as he is holy, then what you have subscribed to is a fake Jesus. 
Why did he say calculate the cost? Because there is a cost. Lay down your life. Lay it down. Romans 12, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, holy and pleasing, which is what? Your spiritual act of worship. What is the greatest response that I can give? What is the greatest thing that I can do to provoke the heart of God? It's to give my life as a living sacrifice. It's to lay it at his feet, surrendered, and say, I don't care what people think. I don't care what the world says. I don't care if they're like, why are you doing a 7 p.m. Wednesday night service? I don't care if they're like, why are you worshiping for over an hour at a church? I don't care if I just got up to preach and I'm just like, what? What's happening? It's God, and we're going to do whatever he wants to do. And we're going to calculate the cost, and we're going to say it's worth giving everything. I will lay my life down on this carpet to see him come. I will lay down and we will do whatever we have to do in order to see the presence of Jesus transform Fort Worth because we are in it for him. I get something whatever you want Jeff is great I love Jeff I know it's 1203 it's past time I also want to say something about that I've noticed a trend I don't know if you've noticed a trend of us going past 12 o'clock has anybody noticed that you look at your watch and you're like we've already had a two-hour service do you know what time we ended on Friday night? It was a three and a half hour service. I ended it at like 10.30. We started at seven. What if God wants to throw agendas out the window? Who said we had to just meet for a, for a, for a couple hours on a Sunday? Who, who said that? I don't know. Who said that worship had to only be half the service? And so I just want to exhort us as a body, I want to honor our child care workers, so we need to honor them and love on them. And so what we need to do is, if we look at this clock and we're noticing it's getting a little late, we can go pick our kids up and bring them in the service. We are a generational house. What if, what if our kids came from children's ministry so on fire they started praying for us? What if our meetings were like the kids come in and we're just getting started? What would happen if we just started just doing whatever he wants us to do? And we're engaging his heart because we're going up the mountain. To see the God that descended on when smoke, thunder, lightning, fire. He wants to consume your life. If our churches and our lives look exactly like the world, then what do we have to offer the world? Nothing. I can't offer the world something 
that I don't have. Which is why I want him. Because every time I come into the world, I have the God that raised Jesus from the dead within me. And I get to release that everywhere I go. Can we stand? I just want you to lift your hands. We're here to engage him this morning. Jesus. God, I ask wow, I ask just as Jehoshaphat did in 2 Chronicles 19. We ask you that the fear of the Lord would be upon us. The fear of the Lord. God, we thank you, God, that even as Solomon said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He didn't say that, you could, that the fear of the Lord was like wisdom. He said you can't have wisdom without the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. So God, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom, for the spirit of the fear of the Lord that is resting upon us as your people. And we just say as Convergence Church, we are all in. We are all in for this thing, Lord. Whatever it looks like, break our paradigms of what we think church is supposed to be. We're following you. We're going up the mountain. We're going up the mountain.